Welcome to the Two Moms Zero Attention Spam podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Allison. And today we are talking about self-esteem. So let's jump right into it. Um, I was actually doing some research last night because I was looking at the four different parenting styles and seeing if there was any correlation between the parenting styles and self-esteem. <clears throat> and in almost all the re- in all the research that I saw, it said authoritative parenting or respectful, respectful, gentle parenting had the highest rates of self-esteem in children. And I thought that was really interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for people who don't know, the four parenting styles would be authoritarian, authoritative, permissive, and then neglectful or inattentive parenting. Yes. So, yeah. So, uh, like gentle and respectful parenting falls under that authoritative umbrella, which is high levels of responsiveness to your kids, but then high levels of accountability as well. Um, And from my own childhood, I would definitely, definitely say that that is true. Absolutely. And I think you can also attest to this from your own childhood from a different perspective, because I know that you said that this was one of the things that you struggled with as a kid or as a teen, especially the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, I think my parents unintentionally, um, did not help my self-esteem at all. I know they didn't do it on purpose, but I ended up with such low self-esteem. I accepted things from friends that I shouldn't. I accepted things from people, from people that I dated that I shouldn't have accepted. And the number one reason that children have, um, low self-esteem is from parents, from not having that security with their parents in the beginning. Um, And I think that's so important for kids to feel the safest with us and the most loved. And the other thing I was reading about is the unconditional love aspect. And I think a lot of parents assume, well, I'm going to love my kid no matter what. I love them unconditionally. But do you, when they come to you in those moments or they come to you and they want to dress a different way or listen to music that you don't care for or whatever it is, is it unconditional or are you putting conditions on it? Because unsupportive parents is the number one way kids have low self-esteem. So funny that you say that because one of the things that I talk about with my mom is that, and that I always loved about her, something that I took into my own parenting with my own kids is that she always gave her pride away freely. I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to worry that I was going to lose it or that one mistake or I was going to, she always gave it away freely and she was constantly building us up and finding our strengths and um and that's something that I talk about a lot is the way that you see your kids the way that you talk about your kids and talk to them sets the tone for their own inner voice so if we're constantly unintentionally critical of our kids or we're trying to you know make them their best selves constantly improving them but we're doing it through criticism or we're doing it through less can constructive ways a lot of times it has the opposite effect on our children because when kids feel good about themselves they reflect that in every area of their lives yeah and um you know that's something that a lot of people will say is that then what motivates your kids how are they motivated if they're not motivated by disappointing you if they if you know they know that you're proud of them then what motivates them and it turns out that your kids develop their own sense of like their own sense of self-worth their own and they are very self-motivated they develop a sense of intrinsic motivation because they're not working for other people's accolades and validation which I think also leads into the safety aspect of it is because when your kids grow up and they're teenagers 
if they don't feel valued at home, seen at home for who they are as a person, they're going to seek that validation from outside sources. And it's not always the safest. And it's not always, it's not always the sources that you want your kids seeking validation from. And I think you've talked about that before as a teen too. Was that something that was a big part of your teen and young adult years? Absolutely. And I think when they're small too, when they are, say they, they left shoes on the floor and the first thought in your head is they didn't pick those shoes up. I can't believe them. I've told them five times, but you didn't see that they were upstairs helping a friend on the phone through a really difficult time because they didn't have someone to talk to, or they were upstairs helping a sibling with something they needed help with. Like you, sometimes it's so easy to just look at the shoes that they left or the towel they left and not investigate what else is going on. They could have been doing something amazing upstairs and really supporting someone or doing something great. And because a lot of the things, um, those were a lot of the things that were done when I was younger, when I was in my teenage years, I didn't even know who I was. I, I tried to, I think I kind of chameleoned into who I was around and that was kind of the beginning of the end because once I cut, once I started hanging out with a certain group of kids um, that were in my neighborhood and at school, it totally, I was off to the races because I was like, I finally fit in. They accept me for who I am. They love who I am when in reality, it was just, we were all doing bad things together, but I didn't have that at home. I felt part of, and at home, I felt parents against me unintentionally my parents didn't do that on purpose but that's how I felt when I was younger mm -hmm. and then I think the other thing is too when your kids have a secure sense of self and they understand their own sense of self-worth they're able to pick friends and choose friends that hold the same moral compass that they do or they're able to have enough security in themselves or even the tools to be able to say no I don't like what we're doing I'm not going to do it or I'm going to do something else and Kids who haven't had who, who that open communication to with their parents that hasn't been fostered, a lot of times we're not able to give them the the resources that they need, the tools that they need, the skills that they need to be able to make those decisions for themselves or to be able to use their voice in those types of situations. Because our kids haven't been able to come to us and say, hey, um, this thing happened, it made me uncomfortable. Or, you know, I saw people doing this and I wanted to tell you about it. And then you can have an open conversation because that was something in my teen years that I got a lot of, was a lot of open communication with my mom specifically. And that's another aspect that helps to keep your kids safe um, is Absolutely. that they're able to come to you when they need to. And, and you can give them real feedback instead of them getting that feedback from other teens or, yeah. from, you know, even worse adults that don't have good intentions with your kids, you know? And that's, um, that's why they should be able to practice advocating for themselves with us in a respectful way. But also another, another huge part is how we talk to ourselves, our self-talk about our bodies or our intelligence or going around, I'm so dumb, I'm so stupid, I need to lose 20 pounds, I wish my hair, when, when, and I don't even think parents realize how, how much we do that sometimes unintentionally. And I think we really need to be mindful of that because when our children are looking up at us, like that's, that's my mom, that's my dad, that's whatever. And watching us tear ourselves apart like that, it's teaching them, well, where are the things that are wrong with my body? Where are the things that are wrong with my hair? Where are the things that are, you know, do I need to lose weight? Um, 
those things cut deep when you're watching the person that you admire the most and that you look up to tearing themselves down. That's actually such an interesting, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was another thing is that my mom never talked badly about herself or about others. Like I never heard her, you know, see somebody out and say something bad about them. Like not ever, ever, or like the way somebody was dressed or the way somebody was looking or never, I never heard her say, if anything, I, it was constantly complimenting people, constantly building people up. And, and when, and when you watch that all the time and you see that it makes other people feel and see that the way it makes you feel, you want to make other people feel that way too. And yes. one of the criticisms that um, I get a lot uh, from people who don't know that I was raised with gentle parenting is that gentle parented kids will be really entitled, be really self-centered, think that the world revolves around them. But the fact is, is that when you were made to feel good, when you saw the way that the people around you made other people feel good, you want to project that in your own life. You want to do that too. You want to emulate the things that you saw. And it's really easy because someone gave you a blueprint to be able to do that. Yes. Um, and, and, uh, and it's actually funny because uh, I grew up in the nineties where it was like very diet culture, you know, like the hundred calorie packs for everything. Yeah. My grandmother was never overweight. She was always thin. My mother was always thin and they expected every woman in the family to be thin, have long hair, have their nails painted. Like they were very much about appearance. And I don't know where that comes from with them, but that pressure was put onto me. Like I can remember um, spending like two hours painting my nails and like a couple of them were chipped the next day. You need to get that off. That looks so tacky. You're not going out like that. Not, wow, you did such a great job painting your nails. You took so much time. They look so great. Um, and I did hear a lot of judgment. I heard judgment about other people. I heard judgment about other family members. Um, and I don't even think my family knew how much they did that and how, I would just sit there and listen to how they talked about other people it was terrible. And I started being judgmental like that definitely rubbed off on me when I was younger. And it was a very hard thing to get out of when you're used to um, judging people based off of how they look or how they dress or things like that. They put those things in my head, you know, when I was younger. It's actually funny because I remember the first time that I ever hung out. Uh, it was like not a new group of friends, but I was, you know, kind of meeting new people mm -hmm. and, um, it was in college and it was a group of girls. And, and I remember it was like the first time ever that I kind of experienced like a, a group of people kind of just bashing, gossiping, like other people around them for like fun, for like sport. Right. And I even said out loud, I was like, I have never seen this happen in real life. Like I only thought that this happened in like movies and TV shows for like, this is like a fun group activity. Like, and, and that was the last time we ever hung out. I was like, yeah. my friend who was part of that group, I was like, don't invite me again next time. Cause like, that's not, that's not how I'm going to spend my time. I'm not going to spend my time sitting there talking badly about other people that I don't even know for what to right. like, to bond with a group of people that I don't think I want to be friends with. It, now. And, the, <laughs> and the core of that is the core of that is they don't have good self-esteem because people that do have good self-esteem and are happy and doing well, they want to see the good in other people. They want other people to be doing well too. And I think that's where a lot of my judge, judgment came from when I was a teenager is because I wanted what other people had. I wanted that relationship with my parents. I want it to look a different way. I wanted that, you know, and I think 
when you're happy and you feel fulfilled and supported, you don't need to tear other people down. You don't need to do those things because you know who you are. There's like this saying that I've heard once, but I feel like it's applied so many times in my life is like, um, there's two ways to have the tallest castle. You can either work hard and build yours, the tallest, or you can burn everybody else's around you down. Um, but if you do that, you'll be very lonely in your tall castle. Right. And um, like, I, I think about that a lot, like in a lot of different, cause you know, even as an adult, you see a lot of that behavior that like that, um, you know, kind of destructive and uh, like mean spirited behavior. Yes. But, it, but as you were saying, it often comes from a place of insecurity. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, part of that too is, as having open communication with your kids because when kids are little and they're going through these insecurities or they're noticing things about themselves things about their friends things about because kids do kids notice everything they see yes. everything um when they are able to come to you and talk about it then you're able to have you know real conversations meaningful conversations kids. and that's that's when it matters it's just like one of my daughters didn't like she didn't like her nose and we were talking I was like do you like my nose? Do you like your grandmother's nose? And she's like, yeah, I love your noses. I said, we have the same nose. Mm -hmm. Your nose is my nose is your grandmother's nose. We all have the same one. And we had a conversation about it, but it's in that moment. Um, it's, it's how you, it's how you react to those things. It's just like with grades, if your child worked so, so hard and they still got a C, but your other child barely did any work and barely studied and got an A to me, it's the effort. It's not the end of what the grade was. It's the effort that people put in. So I just think with a lot of these little moments with grades or an insecurity, it's how we handle them in the moment and how we react to them that helps that helps their inner voice, like you said. And how many times do parents lie about that? Do they say, oh, it's the, it's the effort, but, um, but then if you get that C, they're like, well, if you had worked harder, harder yep. you would have gotten the A, you know? And you're like, I did work hard. It was, I worked yeah. really hard. I can remember particularly being up at school and I did hair and makeup for drama and dance and all that. And there was this one senior and she was on honor roll. She was on the student council. She played sports. She was in theater. And then she would go home and have to do piano for 45 minutes before bed at like 10 o'clock at night. And by mid-year, she just seemed like she was breaking down. And I said, you know, can I support you? Are you okay? And she then told me all this stuff. And she goes, I got to be on my English or history paper or something. My parents are going to kill me and I feel sick. So here's this child doing work from the time she wakes up to the time she goes to bed, trying so hard. She's the sweetest, you know, sweetest girl ever. And she's sitting there beating herself up because she got a B and she's so terrified of how her parents are going to react. I would be seeing all these wonderful things that she's doing and the effort and like she was carrying such a heavy load for a 17 year old kid. And all that was going to be focused on was she didn't get the A. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times parents do that because they want their kids to be successful later in life. But then the, the one aspect of that is that a lot of these kids who become perfectionists have to find their own sense of self and their identity in adulthood because they yes. don't actually know who they are outside of being perfect all the time. Yes. And in life, you're not going to be perfect all the time. It's impossible. It is impossible to go out into the adult world 
and never experience failure or never be at the top of whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and a lot of times that's when people have to go back and try to find their sense of self and try yes. to understand who they are. If they're not the best, who are they? And, um, their whole, their whole, everything is wrapped up in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough sure. process for a lot of people to have to figure out what it is that they even like, what, you know, what, what are their actual interests? Um, and that's another thing with self-esteem is letting your kids explore and try different things and not trying to vicariously live through them. Well, I, I was a soccer star and your mom was a cheerleader. So that's what you need to do. Maybe they're into music. Maybe they're into art and supporting them and the things that they're interested in. That's another part that letting them know it's okay to explore and do something different than dad did or mom did or whoever did. And I think also too, not trying to change our kids to fit some ideal that we think that they, that they need in order to be happy. Um, like one of my kids is truly an introvert is like, he is an introvert. And, you know, part of that was when he was like very little, you could tell right away. And him being able to tell me, I don't like to play with a lot of kids. Like if we go to a park or a playground and being able to tell me like, I don't want to play with a big group of kids. I don't want a big birthday party. I don't like that. Um, I really stuck with me because I have a very good friend who's also an introvert and she always felt misunderstood growing up um, because she, her she had a brother who was very charismatic, very extroverted. And it was a constant, like, why don't you want to go out like him? Why don't you go to parties? Why don't you play with these kids? Why don't you, you know, the, all these kids are playing, go play, go play, go play. And she's like, but I don't, I wanted to read a book. I wanted to, that's not, I didn't feel good going to big group gatherings. Um, and it wasn't even really until college that she was able to kind of find herself, feel accepted, find a group that resonated with her because she always felt like she was being pushed to be somebody else. Yeah. You know? And I've dealt with that with my, I, I think we had discussed this before. My youngest daughter is more introverted also. And she, she, I think the last big birthday party we had for her is when she turned 11, maybe. And she's like, I never want to do that again. We had it at the jump place. She's like, I, the blow up jump place. She's like, I never want to do that again. I said, we don't have to. And we never did. Mm -hmm. Um, she's just, she likes being home. She likes being with smaller groups and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's just no, who she is having that open communication when your kids are young and giving them the space to be able to be open with you by yes. not being harshly reactive, by not being judgmental, by not being critical of who our kids are as people and their likes and their interests. Um, and then also you brought up a really good point of your own self-talk and yeah. the way that you talk about others in front of your children. We're um, the first example. We're the first example of who they look at for how to treat other people and how to treat themselves. Yeah. Yep. And how that relates to their own self-esteem and how that really helps to keep our kids safe in the long run. You know, um, when they're not seeking that validation from outside sources, when they're not getting their information about the world from other teenagers or from possible ill-intentioned adults around yes. them. Okay. I think we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for hanging out and we'll see you next time.